Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 134 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. And we are pleased to welcome back to the show from Montreal, Quebec, George LaRock, Edmonton Sporting Icon. Hello, George. How are you? Very good, Bob. How you doing, bro? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, we got the dreaded, you know, George, in NCAA basketball, uh, whenever they do the brackets, the 5 versus 12 matchup has always had the most upsets. I think Jack mentioned last night, Jack Michaels, 15 straight years. Of course, 64 teams make the tournament. 15 straight years, there was at least one 5 versus 12 upset. Well, Montreal came in 12, Pittsburgh 5. Edmonton 5, Chicago 12, and there's the Canadians up 2-1 and the Hawks up 2-1. Which series to you, George, is more of a surprise? The position Montreal's in or the position Chicago's in? Oh, my God, the position Montreal is in. Nobody understands it. Even Montreal, the fans are stunned. It doesn't make sense. Pittsburgh is loaded. You look at Gonzo that, that came back from his injury and Zucker that was there to replace him is there. Pittsburgh is loaded with talent, and they're all rested. So now the fact that Montreal is ahead, we all knew that Price was the best goalie in the world, and he was going to be making a difference, but not that much. Because you look at what's going on in series, it doesn't make sense. Montreal has no power play. They can't score in a power play. Uh, Gallagher's hurt. He's playing hurt. Uh, Tatar has not done anything. And despite all that, they're up 2-1 in the series. Nobody understand. Everybody thought it was going to be done in three or four games. We're all given one game because of price we knew could be making a difference. But right now, I look at the way they're frustrating the Penguins. They're playing a trap that the Penguins, they can't skate. They can't get into the zone. Like They have to dump the puck, which they don't like to do. And it's to the Montreal advantage. It's, it's, it's amazing. And also what's amazing is to see the emergence of the rookies because, you know, Suzuki has been playing so good. They bumped it to the first line. Kennedy played much better than he has in the past you know, when he was sent to the minors. Now he's a second-line center. And now the young, the, the, the young guys, they're unbelievable. They're carrying this team with prize. And now, like, they're on the verge of beating the Penguins. I still think the Penguins are going to come back. But, man, they're in, a, they're in a position that we've never seen before like this. The Penguins only won one playoff game in the last seven games. 
how is that possible? It, it, it's unbelievable. I can't wait to see tomorrow's game, but I think at least they're going to force a game five. Yeah, it's strange, George. I mean, you were on about uh, two weeks ago. You didn't even think Kakadiemi should be playing, if I recall yeah, correctly. And that's he's, right. That's right. He's, He's obviously uh, made an impact. Uh, Jeff Petrie, you know, um, sometimes you got to go through the growing pains of the defense. Dale Talon used to say you need 300 games, George, with a defenseman before you know what he is. And, and Petrie scores a game winner in overtime in game one. Uh, gets the uh, game winner last night. Wasn't a great goal. Bad goal for Matt Murray. That's the other thing. Like, Pittsburgh's, like, I'm looking at Chicago and Edmonton and go, well, you know, Chicago's won the Cups. Well, Pittsburgh, Montreal, Pittsburgh's won the Cups. Their goalies won two Cups. And Price has been way better. And, and there's guys like Petrie popping up. And Weber scored yesterday. Canadians are getting offensive productivity. What's going on with Max Domi? Uh, well, this is the thing that nobody understands because, this is what happened is yesterday and during the game, when they were down 3-1, the Claude Gina decided to change the line. So what he did, Dano, which was in the first line, he bombs Suzuki, puts him in the first line. He puts Dano in the third line with Byron, which they played really good. They play a, a role, a defensive role. And he puts Katkenimi in the second line. Domi, two years ago, led the team in points by being a first center. And now when the team's down 3-1, He's not even bumping him. He's leaving him in the fourth line. Wow. Nobody understands why he's doing that. But now the, now what we know is that I think Domi, uh, he doesn't want to play in the wing anymore. He wants to stay in center because the best year he's had in the NHL in Montreal is when he was playing at center. He led the team his points, so he wants to stay in center. But because of the rookies that are there, there's no place for him. They're going to leave Suzuki first, Kapkenemi second, Daniel third. So... Right now, he's a fourth-line center. And Domi is a top-six forward. You can't keep a guy like that to play in the fourth line. And now you have to sign, give him a contract extension. And right. If you have to give him a contract extension, you can't give him that if he's going to play in the fourth line. So what I do think is that if there's no role for Max Domi in the top six, they're going to have to trade him. They're going to have to trade him to get a winger to play in the top six because as of now, when I look at the roles of him, it doesn't make any sense. I can't believe that he's not playing in the top six. But, again, if he wants to be in the center, there's no spot for him. He had 28 goals, 72 points. Like, George, he had big numbers a year ago, 80 penalty minutes, and he was plus 20. Like, he had a great year. Like, those are those are really good numbers for a guy. Yeah, but, he... but, but you, know, you know what's insane about this is because two years ago, Montreal, they had no center. So because he had no center, they had to convert him. That was a bringer to a center. He loved it so much. He had those numbers, and he wanted to stay there. But now they have too much center because, you know, peeling is there also, and, you know, they have way too much of it. So that's why they're like, okay, what are we going to do now? So they wanted to bring him back in wing, but it's like, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. I led the team in points, so why would I go back to wing? That's why right now, like, they're in a position where they're like, okay, well, if they don't use him anymore, because I can't believe he's still there. He's playing in the fourth line every game. So that's why when I look at that, playing him 12 minutes, because, you know, he's feisty. He's playing physical. He's playing as hard as he can, but it doesn't make sense. But there's one thing that helps Montreal a lot, too, is uh, the, the, it's, it's Matt Murray, because Matt Murray is terrible. I look at the body language of the guys <laughs> when they scored. No, no, he is, because when Byron scored, he wasn't even in position, and he scored. And then when the winning goal on Petrie is scoring from the goal line. Yes, that was a bad goal. Shot. That every was a bad should, goal. Every goalie should score that. But I saw the face of the, the defenseman, uh, Christopher Latin, the face that he had when he did that. When a goalie 
let it go in like this, an easy goal to go on like this, when the Penguins are having so much time, like so, uh, such a hard time to score on prize, and you let a softy like this, I knew at that time the game was over. The Penguin was flat out. They were done after that goal. It was going to be over. And now for sure, Jerry's going to be back in that uh, uh, in the next game because, uh, you know, I don't know how they go. You go back with Murray. You think have they said have they said that Tristan Jarry is going to get the, the former Edmonton Oil Kings going to get the call? They didn't, but I think that they will because they have no choice. Because you look at the position that they're in right now, um, you know, I don't think that the trust on Murray is, is is much higher. There was even a question at the beginning of the series if who was going to be in net. And clearly, uh, when you look at everything going on, I think it was a bad decision. But unfortunately, for any goalie, you got to face Carey Price that, that is playing the best, like as good as hockey as he played when he won the Hearts Trophy. So if you look at all that, it's really hard. And, and you know, the difference in the game, when Montreal was down 3-1, Price made a save. The save that saved the game, it would have been 4-1. He made the save, Montreal went the other way and scored. And that changed the entire game. And Montreal never stopped from then. So it's crazy to see Montreal being the aggressor against a team that has much more talent than them. You know, George, I think back to the Pacioretty trade, which happened in September of 2018. The Canadians got Suzuki and Tatar in a second-round pick. That trade's looking pretty good for Montreal. I mean, they're going to have Suzuki and Kotkaniemi as two of their top three centers, and that Deneau is an excellent defensive centerman, strong two-way centerman. It's kind of... I don't think anybody would have envisioned this. You know, they got Coldfield. We'll we'll see about him. I mean, a lot of people, like George, are fans. You're on the air there every day. George LaRock joining us right now in Oilers now. A lot of the Canadians' fans wanted the Canadians to lose so they could win the lottery, right? It's insane. People, in the, before it started it, people didn't want Montreal to win because that, because this Montreal, going into the lottery, obviously everybody wants La Première. But if Montreal doesn't win the lottery, automatically they pick ninth. So the top ten in the draft this year is, is a guaranteed uh, uh, next NHL. Maybe not like a Crosby or McDavid, but a really good player that's going to be in the NHL for a long time. The top ten is really good. So many people, they wanted Montreal to lose, and even diehard fans, because they wanted to see the team have a chance at La Première, or at least picking ninth. But now that the team is up to one, this is not crazy in Montreal. Now everybody wants Montreal to win and try to go for the cup. That's how crazy thing goes. You got yeah. son, you're looking at the team, you're looking at the young guys, you're like, oh my God, we're better than we said that we were. If we beat Pittsburgh, then after that, we could beat Tampa Bay. So then if we do, we could beat anyone. <laughs> so that's why now it's crazy how the... The, the interest has changed, a switch. And now yeah. people, all of a sudden, when they didn't believe in it before, now a lot of people think that now they're going to pass Pittsburgh. But to me, I don't think that they will still. I think Pittsburgh is going to come back because with all the talent on that team, there's one thing for sure. Montreal has been working way harder. The work ethic is way better than Pittsburgh that's relying strictly on talent. But now that the bank's against the wall, they have to turn it up with their talent. If Pittsburgh turned it up, Montreal won't be able to compete with them. And I think that's what's going to happen with a great captain like Crosby. And I see Pittsburgh coming back and win this series. Yeah, well, and they know how to win before. Can Edmonton come back against Chicago, George? Okay, so talking about Edmonton, I've told you this many times. The biggest problem with Edmonton is the goalie. It's been the problem for years, and they tried to solve it, and they haven't. They tried with Koskinen, they tried with Smith. It's not working. The thing, though, about this series is that 
you look at Crawford, and he's not any better. The first two games of the series, of the series was a battle of the worst goalie. It was so bad. I was, I'd be a forward on that team, and I'd be looking at that. I'd be like, how many goals do I need to score to win? You know. But the thing is, is that Edmonton could come back to win the series because Crawford is also bad. And you know, I'm looking at the Edmonton defense, Nurse, and everybody blocking shots. It's almost like they're blocking shots. I saw Nurse diving almost face first to block a shot because he knows that if he doesn't block it, it's going to go in back of the net. So you see that the trust in the defenseman is not so high on the goalie. But because Crawford is not that good either, I think the Oilers have a chance to come back. But what's going to what what needs to happen is that the wingers they got to stop being passenger and looking at Drysaddle and McDavid play because those two guys are really good. But if you just rely on them to score the big goal and you're not supporting them. It's not enough because right now, the way I look at it is like there's no way Chicago could skate with Edmonton. Edmonton, the speed and everything, I kind of see is too invincible. We don't see him enough. He has to be more involved in the play. And, and, and you know, Yanamoto, bad, too bad penalties. You've got to be disciplined because Chicago's right. power play is lethal. But Edmonton, like all the guys, they have to look at themselves in the mirror. And even though they were the favorite before and the fact they were their home team, they've got to start playing desperate and playing hard and playing hard to beat, like real hard-nosed Oilers hockey because the, the blockers, they do have some old guys that you have to take advantage of it. You have to be physical with them. You have to outskate them. Outskate them. You have to play more desperate because you can't just rely on two of the best centers of the NHL to carry your team because it's not enough. And the defensemen have to keep doing a really good job because you give any opening to Chicago with a great skill, they have a front. Um, you know, they, you're going to get beat. Because Emerson is the better team. That's the thing. If they lose to this, to, to this team, it's going to be a big disappointment because Edmonton is a way better team than Chicago. Chicago goes into that series with nothing to lose. And they're like, everybody's saying that we're out. Chicago has a DNA championship. They've won cup. They know how to yes. win cup. Yes, they like, have, George. Like, like with Taze, that, that, that no, you know, Taze and K know how to play. And now Taze has a like resurrection because he's playing with Kobelik that now his line is unreal. But yeah. still, there's no way Edmonton should lose to that team. And I believe the Oilers will come back. It's a wake-up call, the fact that they're down 2-1. They're going to at least force a game five, and then we'll see what's going to happen uh, after that. George, when you broke into the league and you were playing against Dallas in the playoffs and you're trying to pound the snot out of Darian Hatcher, based on the standard of officiating right now, how many penalties would have been called when you guys were playing back in the early 2000s? Oh, man, it, it'd be insane. Everything, it, 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 back then, when you let guys play, the physicality was way different. Nowadays, today, the, the hockey is completely different. It, it, you know, and, and it's good because the game is faster now. But, but even this, stuff. George, even in this playoffs, there's been too many calls. You know, there's been too many ticky-tack calls. Like, you should be allowed to hit a guy and rub a, you know, rub a guy out and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Usually, playoff hockey, that's what it was. Playoff hockey was like, you know, re referees were putting the whistle in the pocket, but now you've seen playoff one with, with power plays. There's one game, with, uh, the second game, Edmonton and Chicago, there were so many power plays. I, when McDavid got his hat trick, he only played 11 minutes because there's so many penalties. He got a hat trick in 11 minutes of ice time. That's how much I get when I play, and he's the best player in the world. doesn't make sense. But there's too many power plays. It breaks the flow, and it doesn't, it doesn't look like true playoff hockey when it's a special team game and a playoff. So hopefully they change that because it's not 
as exciting when you see too many power play. Hard nose playoff hockey, that's what it is. Physical play and see the best team play five on five. George, we appreciate your time. Cactus Jack has texted the show to say, Preach Reverend LaRock. We are all praying at the per- at the Church of George right now. Thanks, big man. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, brother. You take care. Awesome. Talk to you next week. Yvette, that is George LaRock out of Montreal, Edmonton sporting icon. It is 149 at Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. Get to this day in Oilers history on Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stopper on 630 Chat. It's 152 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options uh, for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, of which eight are dying in. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation, Mediterranean chicken. Quick update, Minnesota, Vancouver. They're in the second period. Spoiler alert. Count to three. One, two, three. It is scoreless. Seven minutes into period two. Vancouver and Minnesota. That series is tied 1-1. Calgary with a chance to close out Winnipeg tonight. The Jets have run out of bodies uh, during the course of that series against the Flames. And I, a good point by Brian. I, I don't know if it's a case of Talbot outplaying Halibut, but he's been at least as good. To this day in Oilers history, back at the 630 Jets studios, here's Brendan Escott. And back in 1998, the Oilers re-signed 25-year-old Todd Marchant to a two-year contract extension. He had 35 points the previous season over 71 games, was uh, one of the game's best penalty killers at the time as well. He played five more seasons in Edmonton before signing in Columbus as a UFA in the summer of 2003. Uh, again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Uh, Marshawn was a good oiler, worked hard, had the one great year, the 60-point season, uh, but was a very effective third-line player back in the day. Still works for the uh, Anaheim Ducks organization. This texter says, Bob, on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, if the Oilers get back to parading to the penalty box, they're going to have to put McDavid back on the PK to pressure the slow-moving parts with a breakaway threat. That's an interesting perspective to have. Um, um, Bob, regarding uh, Jeff Petrie on the goal, that was just a great shot by Petrie. Disagree with George LaRock. Well, there you go. Love hearing another texter says, love hearing Big George on the show. The Oilers could use a guy like him right now in the playoffs. Hacksaw says, Bob, did you say the Petrie goal was a bad goal for Murray? That's a sniper shot. The best place to shoot now is at the goalie's head and neck where in the, when they're in the butterfly. That one from uh, Hacksaw. Prov says, Bob, I'd rather have Petrie instead of Clefbaum. Uh, well, hey, if you listen to Oilers now when Jeff Petrie was on the team, I was like, let's be patient with this guy. There you go. That was my take on him. We have Reed uh, Wilkins coming up tonight on Inside Sports. What has he got shaken, Mr. Escott? 
Fluid show? It's not a fluid show. He's got Kelly Rudy on and Brian Wilde out of Global Montreal. Brian's a good guy. He used to work on the Oilers TV broadcast on CTV when they had the rights circle of the mid-1990s when Dennis Bayak was doing play-by-play of those games. That's Reed Wilkins tonight from 6 to 8 tomorrow. We are jammed. Again, puck drop, 445 game four of the qualifier. Edmonton against Chicago. The Oilers do or die. Down two games to one. On tomorrow's show, Louis DeBrusque. Elliot Freeman for our friends at the River Cree Resort Casino, Jack Michaels, and for Horse Racing Alberta, Mark Spector. So we're loaded tomorrow. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chad. Ah, it's not opening up here. Uh, followed by the 6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jay Lynn I. So long, everybody. Have a truculent Thursday. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.